What's up? AP and us episode three. What is going on? What's cracking? What's cracking? What's cracking? It is a Monday night here. It is absolutely beautiful. It's sensational. Man, what a crazy weekend I had. One of the craziest weekends I've had in quite a bit of time. Everything just was beautiful. Everything just felt succinct. Everything just felt really, really refined this weekend, just when it comes to family, when it comes to business, when it comes to friends, um, just the overall energy. And I feel like it's always a seasonal thing when it comes to everyone's energy around you. Everyone's happy when it's summer. Everyone feels a little bit more mopey when it's winter. I truly think seasonal change may have something to do with the mood of every other individual. Anyway, that's not what we're going to be talking about at this point. Okay, so what I kind of wanted to talk about, and this always happens when I lunge, right? There's always a symphony of ideas that come out of my head, and I just want to put it out there for everybody, but it's not that easy, all right? Because if I do that, you guys are going to be confused. So I'm going to take it a little bit easy in that perspective. But one thing that I wanted to talk about is this this idea of um, expectation for society, right? Um, you know, you know the thing about expectations is you you, you really shouldn't have any expectations lead either to failure or they can lead to unrealisticness as well. Is that a word? Who knows? I don't care. You need to make sure that you don't go anything with any type of expectations. This is something that I've been learning for myself. I I, I don't have expectations anymore for anything. I just do it. I just pull trigger on stuff. And 99% of the time, it works out. At the end of the day, it always will. I don't have any expectations on anything because of these reasons. Not saying it's bad to fail. You need to fail in order to get back up in order to do something, right? Half marathon. Failed. I failed at it, right? I had the Achilles tendonitis. That kicked into play. My Achilles feels way better now, by the way. We just need to sail the course it's only a setback, and all we have to do is just adjust the training. That's it. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. But I will say that having expectations can also lead to a mindset that it it it, it doesn't it allows your pride to talk because. Pride is looking at the future. You can't look at the future because you don't know what exactly is the future unless you're Nostradamus. You're not. You're not God. Right? You're not some powerful time traveler. You are an individual that only understands what is happening right here and right now. That's why you need to make sure that you're within the moment here when you are talking about certain things and certain goals and certain pushes. That's why goals for me, sometimes they just, they're just not really a good idea in my opinion. There's, it's good to have goals for certain things and certain periods, but goals can also altercate because life has a sailing and a course that can sometimes change as well. So goals are healthy and a good habit, but don't over rely on goals too, too much because you got to remember goals are expectations. Goals are not goals. Goals are expectations for yourself for certain things 
that need to be accomplished at a certain time period, right? That's why we have things like SMART. It's specific, it's measurable, it's attainable, it's realistic, and it's time-related. That's SMART goals, right? But that also can also have SMART expectations as well. But then at the same time, life kicks in the play, man. Shit happens. And people need to remember that and expect that with life as well. Goals are good, but don't rely on them. Don't, because why? They're expectations. What happens with expectations? You're looking into the future. What happens when you look into the future? You don't know what it is. Because something can alternate. You could get injured. Something could happen to you. You could get ill. You could be dead. Who knows? Who knows? That's why you always got to look at the process of things instead of actually looking at the end result. Because when you look at the end result, you think, oh, okay, I'm here. Whatever. But when you enjoy every single moment of the process, man, it feels fulfilling when you do so. Because you are taking it as moments in time. When you take things in moments in time, those are the only things you take with you when you're dead. You don't take materials. You don't take any of that other stuff. All you take with you when you're dead is moments in time. And that's it. That's all you need to worry about as well. That all leads to expectation. All this leads to a roadmap of expectation. If you also have other expectations as well, saying that you did this and this and that, that's ego talking as well. You don't use past achievements to make sure that you get a tick from people. You don't need that you don't need that validation. If you need that validation, you need to go check yourself. You have insecurities. Me, I'm not gonna I'm gonna be absolutely brutally, brutally, brutally honest with you. I don't need it. I don't need validation. That's why when people come up to me, I am generally not a fan of compliments. Why do I not like compliments? Because it's acting like you've already finished. Bro, I ain't finished. I'm not done. And I probably won't be for a long, long, long time. I will not be finished at any point soon. Do not compliment me and act like I am finished. I will not be finished at any point or any time soon. I am still going like a locomotive train. Will there be some times where the train needs to stop? Of course, absolutely. There's times where I need to relax? Yeah. Yeah, of course, absolutely. But the whole notion is the train needs to keep rolling. Regardless of speed, because sometimes the train needs to slow down a little bit more. Sometimes it needs to pick up. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But that train rider is only looking at the speed right at this point. And that's all the train rider's thinking about. It's not thinking about the speed in a few months time it's thinking about achieving the speed that it needs to for the time time period which is now that's why when i do these podcasts there's a passion and a fire there because all i'm thinking about and zoning into is just this damn podcast that's the difference maker and believe it or not i don't have shit when it comes to a transcript this bad boy comes just through flow nothing else i don't need transcripts sometimes as i said in the second episode i should come with a transcript but i also am a man that can contradict myself quite often with these ideas why because i feel like it's more healthier that i can show you a rawness behind these conversations 
I don't need to transcript anything because it comes off a bit superficial. It comes off too robotic. It comes off too robust. I don't need that. All I need is just to understand and portray my perspective to the audience properly, thoroughly, and succinctly. And that's it. That's all I need to do. All you need to think about at this point when what I'm talking about is that you're the train rider. The speed needs to be at about 120 kilometers on that train track right at this period in time. That 120 kilometers, you need to focus on that 120 kilometers. You don't need to slow it down. You don't need to get it faster. All you need to think about is maintaining that 120 kilometers an hour. If you can maintain that 120 kilometers an hour, you're doing well for that current period in time. But somebody gives you a call from the port and they say, okay, maybe we need to slow it down a little bit. Let's take it to about 105. You think, okay, we'll take it to 105 now. We'll slow it down. Give it a few more hours. Give it a few more hours. How's everyone in the background doing? Some people are complaining, aka some of the individuals in your life. They'll go, what's he doing? He's going too slow. He's going too fast. What's going on? Because you can never satisfy anybody, right? Don't rely on their expectations. And that's where I'm getting at my second point now. Is the secondary expectations. The placebo expectations, right? The the expectations that you don't need to listen to or think about. Those are the ones you're just like, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Get rid of them. Fuck them off. Because you don't need those expectations in the background. Like, let, let, let's just say this, right? I'm I'm single, right? I'm a single man. Um... I've been single for a long time, you know, pretty much uh, for ages. And, um, you know, people say, oh, you know, maybe you should try and get a, a missus and stuff like that. Maybe you should try and go there. Fuck no. Fuck no. I'm not ready for that type of levels yet. Why? Do you really think a man who lunges 400 meters, who's so focused on other stuff in his life, has that need for a woman in his life right now, when all he's focusing on is himself and his family, I think the female would get pretty pissed off after a while. She wouldn't be happy. She wouldn't be happy. She would actually get a little bit annoyed. It would take one hell of a woman and a powerhouse female to be able to deal with an AP. Guarantee you, it would. It wouldn't. It's not fun to be a friend of APs. And I could tell you that right now. But if I went on the expectation, the secondary expectation, that placebo expectation that I was talking about, then the, the people in the back or in the passengers in the train, you go by their voice. Do you know what happens? You start to change course. Your speed and your frequency starts to go down or up. Because all you're listening to is not your voices, you're listening to their voices. The voices that that like to complain because their life is not that great. And I feel sorry for them. You sympathize with them. You don't hate on them. You don't get angry at them. You sympathize. And you feel sorry for them. Because their life is not going the way they like it. They need to take their frustration and their bitterness out on other individuals. And look, and look, and look. We don't know the context of their life. We never will, and we probably won't unless we are friends with them or we are associated with them in some mannerism.
But if you're having a bad day, always remember people are always having worse days than you. Always, always. That's a gratitude perspective as well. And more people need to have that gratitude perspective as well. Anyway, going back to it. Don't go by the secondary expectations. Unless they are a friend or a colleague or your boss or your family, listen to them, weigh it out, and then consider. That's all you have to do. Nothing else. Don't worry about that other stuff. You worry about having to listen to them and go by their word. It's not authentic. It's not you. It's not a uniqueness behind that. It's just you with another person's perspective. It's not you with your perspective. That's dangerous and a dangerous in a bad way. It's not a dangerous in a good way that you can utilize something like that. That's bad. That's bad. That's a no-no. That's unhealthy. So you need to make sure that if you're going to do something like that, you're always going to stay calm about it and don't follow those expectations. All right. I'll be back. I'm going to be on break in a sec. So one thing I wanted to talk about real quick now is the idea of the human body, what its potential of, what's its capabilities, you know? And I think this is something that people always tend to forget about the human body. We as humans are generally more capable than what you really, really believe and think. And uh, I think it's scary because it, I've always been fascinated in fitness extremists. Fitness extremists have always interested me. They've always intrigued me in some sort of mannerism. I've always been sucked in to extremism in the fitness industry. I don't know what it is about that, but it, it, it reminds me of kind of like where I grew up and where I came from is this idea of having this mentality of compounded effect, you know, that every single day you do the same thing over and over and over again. And after a while, it pays off. It provides evidence. You become an overnight success. And um, the compounded effect is a powerful, powerful thing in fitness, man. Because not only is it a physical warfare, it's a mental warfare. You know, right at this moment in time for my calorie deficit, I'm in a 1,900 calories intake. That's not much. That's not much at all. Um, that's, that's not a lot of food. So, and then on top of that, I have to do my lunges. I have to do my weight training. And as well, I'll have to go for bike rides here and there as well. But that frequency of that bike ride has to go down because my calorie intake is nothing at the moment. It's difficult to get food inside me, you know. Um, not only that as well, but to, 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 to get filling delicious food into me. You know, one discovery I've had recently is the idea of is pumpkin pie oatmeal. That is delicious, delicious stuff right there. So basically, all I do is put a can of pumpkin, uh, some Chobani uh, Greek yogurt, 
some vanilla protein powder, of course, about 60, 80 to 100 grams of oats, depending on how I'm feeling with carbohydrates. Um, the thing about breakfast, it's such a prick because you can't really figure out how much you kind of need before you eat for the day. Um, so if you like to train fasted, which I actually do sometimes, I actually do like to train fasted quite a bit because the reason why I like to do it, not because, oh, you know, it's better for fat loss. No, fast, fasted, non-fasted is not, none, none of it's any different in terms of fat loss. That's been shown through a lot of studies and a lot of proper good research from evidence-based practice that fasted to non, comparison to non-fasted, there's no difference in, in the cardio. There's nothing, right? Um, and it's not a mental warfare thing either. Um, it's just that I like to get over and done with in the morning. If I can wake up, get over and done with in the morning, where I am the most primed and energetic, which is the morning. I like the mornings because of that as well. I feel like I'm in my most hyper-focused in the morning. I'm not playing games. No one's messaging me. It's just me versus me in the morning at a 4, 4 to 4.30 a.m. wake-up call. And I love it. I fucking love it, right? I did it this morning and I felt great i felt so good this morning um with the lunges i felt great with the um the weight training i felt fantastic i did hybrid deadlifts uh ring push-ups with a bit of feet elevation and i added some weight on as well so i did 10 8 and 6 on that and then for hybrid deadlifts was my first exercise which is basically just a semi sumo stance i did 6 4 and 2 and i've been doing that loading scheme for the past four weeks with deadlifting um just off very slight block elevation as well maybe about two inches of ele- elevation so it's just a little a bit above um that mid shin level instead of lower shin level which is usually where the deadlift starts um, it's a great exercise. I love the hybrids. I love the stands, how it's kind of in the middle ground between conventional and sumo. So I still get that nice length. I still get a decent amount of lengthening with my glutes that you would get in a conventional, but I'm still get, snapping in a little bit of that quad at the mid-range and a bit of adduction, adductor work as well that you would get in a sumo deadlift. So I feel like there's tremendous benefit in just hunting for a nice little middle ground position as well. And not only that as well, I noticed my lower back doesn't really kind of kick in as hard without having to do 20 years of warming up and activation work, right? Um, if you're having to do a lot of activation and warming up prior to your lifting, you're probably picking the wrong exercises at this point in time. Um, you should be able to go into gym and execute these exercises to T. So that's something I'm really loving about these hybrid deadlifts is that I could just get a, just a little bit amount of activation work with the exercises and I'm all good. I'm all good. The lunges felt poppy today as well. They felt fast. They felt really, really good. The barefooted lunging has probably been the best lunging I've ever done in my entire life so far. Knees and hips feel great. They don't hurt. Um, and even as a young lad, I've always had um, um, pinched nerve. That's just something that I genetically I've always had. Um, I can't fix that. Um, as much as I love to fix that, I've done everything. IT band work, um, adductor work, abductor work, um, internal rotation, mobility work as well. I've always just had a pinched nerve in my right side that sometimes like to play up, particularly as if I sit down for too long. Um, it plays up massively as well. Um, so... That's something I've kind of gotten over though. Like um, I'm a young lad. If I just keep moving around, getting those steps up and everything like that, which is something I tend to do throughout the day is just get up, go for a five to 10 minute walk around the house, just try and figure out something, be productive with something. And then everything else can kind of go from there. So that's something that I've been doing a lot more recently. Um, So the, the conditioning has been very, very tough as the calories start to go down and down and down and down and down. 
one of the best recommendations that I got from my nutrition coach at the moment in time is to carb up and pick those times to implement the carbohydrates an hour before you work out if, or 30 minutes to an hour before you work out. So at least you still have enough energy to put in the carbohydrates. So I have to present strategy and nutritional timing now into my meals, which is very difficult, um, but I'm getting it done. Saturday, I was able to get it done. The weekends are much better when it comes to adjustment because Saturdays is usually a refeed, refeed day for me where I get a lot of carbs in and um, I'm able to have a drink or two and stuff like that. And I feel great on Sunday. I feel fantastic, right? I feel like my body's full of energy. I feel fuller. I feel great. The carbohydrates throughout the week, though, are still around 190 to 200, even at 1,900 calories. So that's still a positive. Um, but the refeed days, I go double almost at, within dinner alone. I don't. I usually eat normally throughout the day on Saturdays, but when it comes to dinner, I'm picking out. I'm, I'm eating whatever I want, whatever's in sight. So dinner's my favorite time for a Saturday um, just because I get that refeed. And obviously, uh, by the time summer's finished and all said and done, um, I should be able to slightly just start to get back to a more comfortable, um, quote-unquote, maintenance phase. And um, that's the thing as well. Like every single week has been a 100-calorie deficit every single week. So that's why the body hasn't had time to kind of adjust to the new calories because it's always... As soon as I get used to it by Saturday or Sunday, boom, another 100 calories is taken off. So it's it's getting difficult, but I do feel fine. I do feel good. Um, I can still talk. I can still engage. I can still present an energy to the podcast, and that's still important. If I can, if I can't present this energy to the podcast, if I can't present a consistent scheduling and period with work and the podcasting and um, with my training, then I'm doing something wrong. Something's not there right? So the energy levels still need to maintain. Um, So yeah, what was one of the things I wanted to talk about? I talked about it before, but I kind of went on this semi rant or soliloquy about my eating at the moment and my nutrition and the calorie deficit, how it's going. Um, Yeah, just the capabilities of the human body. I was always intrigued by extremism in the fitness industry, right? Um, You know, doing consistent days, creating compounded effects, um, you know, Obviously, people know that I do walk-in lunges for conditioning and, you know, I love it. I love it. I don't care what anybody says. Um, people would disagree with it and you know what? Unless you try it yourself, you wouldn't know what it's like, um, straight up. Like, people would always create the argument of knee tendonitis. I don't agree with that at all. I think, if anything, it actually helps your knees become way more stronger and much more healthier around that connective tissue, around those ligaments in the knee. As long as you're just hammering home your posterior chain work at the gym, and you're doing it very frequently as well, which is something you probably should be doing anyway, is just training your posterior chain, which is basically your backside of your body much more consistently than your front side, and you're doing those lunges, and you're making sure that the form is correct, you're going to be fine. You're going to be all good. Um, And not only that as well, your posterior chain um, gains increase dramatically from the lunges, your your strength endurance increases, your general physical preparedness helps out. So basically general physical preparedness to GPP, which is work capacity. Um, so work capacity just allows you to train a little bit more for much longer to recover better. So that's what GPP is, right? Um, and trust me, lunges, stuff like that, you can notice in the gym that your workouts become much more succinct and easier. You're, re- you're recovering a little bit better between sets. You feel less tired by the time you get out of that gym. There's just so many be- benefits that I don't think people even want to take into consideration about something like lunging. 
Um, but this could be done with anything. This could be done with farmer carries. This could be done with sled drags. This could be done with even runs. Now, people say running is going to burn muscle. I don't agree. I don't agree at all. Um, if you make sure that your calories are in play with the runs and you're still weight training consistently and picking the ex- correct exercises with good volume and intensity, you'll be fine. Anyway, back to the point. There's a lot of individuals out there that can go do this shit every single day and not get hurt. I don't know how they do that, but I reckon it comes down to the fact of the extremism connects to what they did with activities as a kid. May sound crazy, may sound absolutely insane, but I think that's what it comes down to. Swimmers, right? A lot of individuals that, um, that, uh, that, that let's say, go for, you know, five to take five to 10K kilometer swims every day, right? Let's say a guy like Ross Egley. Ross Egley from Britain, right? Strong man, swimmer, they call him. Um, he roughly probably goes for about a five to 10K swim every single day. Now, a 5K swim is equivalent to a half marathon. That's insane. If you can swim for five kilometers at a good damn pace, you're going to be burning a lot of calories. You're going to be burning roughly, easily, minimum, a thousand calories, easily a thousand calories. Um, and swimming, I feel like swimming is one of the most underappreciated forms of conditioning, um, just because it's very accessible in Australia. So the accessibility is very, very strong. Um, it's fun. It's very enjoyable. And as well, you don't have to stick to freestyle. You could stick to doing breaststroke, which is my preferred swimming style is breaststroke. And I can do a pretty decent breaststroke. My freestyle is horrendous. It sucks. I'm a terrible freestyle swimmer. And it was given, like even as a kid, it was giving me a lot of nagging shoulder problems. Like it just, my shoulder just felt very stiff. It felt stiff, right? Um, uh, particularly from all that internal rotation and the push and the pull through as well with your lats. And that's why you'll see a lot of swimmers have these gigantic lats. Their lats are massive. Their upper backs are underdeveloped, but their lats are huge, man. They got some massive lats. And I said this to my friend um, who does swimming and water polo is that his his lats are phenomenal. Like I reckon once he starts to cut down a little bit more, his lats are gonna look phenomenal, like phenomenal, man. He's got much more muscle mass than I do. Much more, much more. So if he cut it down, he'll look incredible. He'll look great. Um, genetically, his back is incre- like his lats are insane. But that comes from the repetitions and the repetitions and the repetitions of swimming. Because you've got to remember, when you pull through the swimming, you still have to generate force in through your lats, right? So your lats have to still go through muscle function, which is shoulder abduction, shoulder extension, and internal rotation. Those are the muscle functions of the latinimus dorsi. So imagine doing thousands and thousands and thousands of repetitions against this water resistance of that same motion. Now you could argue that creates shoulder impingement, that creates shoulder problems, which it does, but that would be a discussion for later on. But the point is, is that if you do thousands and thousands of repetitions of this constant swimming, like a Ross Egley who goes for half marathons and marathon swimmings every single day, and he's been on the case saying that he does this every single day, your lats are gonna, your genet, like your lats are gonna be more sustained when you take that note, that same motion into the gym. Your lats are gonna get super strong and jacked, 
And people say, man, your lats have grown fast. Well, it's because they came from a swimming background. Basketball, your calves, right? I've noticed a lot of basketballers, as they start to get into weight training and proper hypertrophy training, and they start to train their calves, their calves get massive. They're massive calves, man. Their calves are huge. The genetic, like the, 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 the constant bounce, the constant one foot layups, the constant two foot, um, you know, defensive stops, this constant motion of um, ankle extension, and then the eccentric work in that tibialis anterior when you're coming down, I always feel like carries over beautifully to the gym for calf hypertrophy. And then you have, who else? Labor workers, manual labor workers as well. Their erectors are so, so strong and their work capacity is incredible. Farmers have incredible work capacity as well. They're carrying haystacks. They're having to move around all the time with this heavy ass bags going everywhere inside the farm. Their upper back, their traps, their anti-flexor muscles are super, super strong and healthy. So when you see these guys deadlift, they already got a nasty deadlift right off the bat. They're strong as shit in their deadlifts because that work capacity that they built on the farm and what they built inside the manual labor work just pays off instantly, instantly when they get into the gym, right? Asians, Chinese weightlifters, right? You got to remember when they need to go for a poo, they have to squat all the way down. So they reinforce that mobility from day one, day one, and that's important as well. From day one, these guys carry thousands and thousands and thousands of repetitions every single day into that full ATG position just to take a poo in the toilet because they don't have their toilets. Most of them don't have their toilets all the way up like us Westerners where we're in a partial, where we're in a partial half squat position to go to the toilet, right? So their bowel movement is a million times better than ours, but not only is their bowel movement better, their overall mobility in their hips and their ankles is much better than ours because they're always standing up. They're always walking to work. They're always biking to work. They're always in these ATG squat positions when they need to take the, when I need to go to the toilet, right? So there's so many things that need to come into play with extremism. Like how does extremism develop? So I think it comes down to um, the, cont- the context of the environment I think it comes down to the context of their social economic status. I think it comes down to family. I think it comes down to the trials and tribulations that they've been given to them in life already, right? If they went from an overweight individual to someone who's now, let's say, fit, quote unquote, um, that drive that took them to that position is going to keep them in that position. So once, you, once you're in that, posi- that fit position from being having such a massive transformation, you ain't going to go back. You're not going to go back. And you'll very rarely see people who make that type of transformation go back. It's so rare. It's so rare to make a massive transformation like that and think, oh, fuck, time to go back. Nah, it doesn't work like that. Not anymore for most individuals anyway. Um, you know, that's the thing as well that I've always been you know, I've given myself a pat in the back for, I've never gone back to that position that I was four to five years ago, right? But that's because of my extremism and my mentality as well. My extremism towards lunging, my extremism towards um, weight training and learning more about weight training and getting better at getting stronger and getting more jacked, right? And looking better naked. <laughs> um, and that's all, that's all a part of it, right? Extremism, you know, that the principles of extremism 
it, 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 it's so beautiful, I feel like. And I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough. And I feel like with extremism, we tag people with these mental health diagnoses, right? Saying that they're obsessed or, oh, they do too much, right? It's easy to say that people do too much when you're not doing shit, right? When you're not doing anything, you're not on the same frequency as the individuals on that extremism. What if their past was so fucked up and so dark that 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 extreme feats that they pull off, let's say they do um, 300 days in a row of a five kilometer run. Let's say as an example, a metaphoric example, 300 consecutive days in a row of a five kilometer run. They didn't do any more. They didn't do any less. Every single one of them was outdoors. Rain, storm, wind, sun, super hot, super cold. It didn't matter. Every single one of those 5K runs was outdoors and every single one of those runs was bang on five kilometers for 300 consecutive days in a row. Do you think that this individual would be an unhealthy individual with their nutrition down packed? I doubt it. Most people that are doing shit like that have their nutrition intact, intact, easily. Do you think that their mental game is weak? Fuck no, you couldn't tell me that. 300 consecutive days of five kilometer runs, there is no way that you could sit, tell me with a straight face that their mental game is not on point. They have it. They have it packed, down packed before anybody else does. But most people would call that extremist, right? People would say they're obsessives as if that's a bad thing. Why do we demonize individuals that go the distance with their bodies and their mental capacity? And we demonize them. We, 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 we tear them down for wanting to be a better version of themselves. That ain't right to me. All right, team. I'm going to leave it here. Make sure you give a share. Make sure you give it a follow. Make sure you share it out to anybody you can. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Stay tuned for episode four. It is definitely coming this week. We're going to be doing double drops this week. Let's go. Peace out.